Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. So a very special edition of the Behind the U podcast. We're going to go behind the U from three prominent and very distinguished athletes that have served and given and worn the orange and green for the University of Miami in in a very, very distinguished way. They are also being honored this week as trailblazers, literally trailblazers. They are being given and awarded the Trailblazer Award in its inaugural year by the University of Miami which will honor and recognize current and former minority student athletes and others affiliated with athletics who have distinguished themselves as pioneers and game changers in sport and life. And all three of them were the first uh, African-American athletes in their sport. And we will start, of course, ladies first with Kim Sands, who was the first African-American tennis player at the University of Miami. Kim, welcome and thank you for taking the time. And more importantly, congratulations on this fine award. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is quite an honor and I appreciate you guys actually uh, remembering me and recognizing me and these other great athletes and great people. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Now, this ultimately is a podcast, but Kim is wearing her University of Miami hat. So she is, she, <laughs> she, she's representing her school and her alumni status in a very good way. Next up, Mr. Bellamy, Ray Bellamy, the first African-American football player, and maybe even the first African-American athlete at the University of Miami. Ray, welcome. And again, congratulations. Thank you. I first would like to say hello to my friends, uh, Kim Sands and Will Allen. Will Allen and I go way back, and Kim, I used to watch her walk around campus. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be a part of this. I thank you guys so much for recognizing that we did a little work around there. Uh, it wasn't easy always, but we did a little work. I would say you did a lot of work. A lot of work may not even be sufficient, but we'll uh, we'll leave it at that, sir. Cool. Well, thank you. And you slipped in the third member of this crew, Will Allen. Will played basketball at the University of Miami, also the first African-American athlete to play that sport. Will, Mr. Bellamy introduced you. Will, welcome, congratulations, and thank you for doing this. Well, thanks so very much. Just wanted to say hello to Kim and Ray. Of course, Ray and I know each other very well because in 1967, the two of us, Ray signed before me as a football player, and I later signed in the spring of that year to play basketball, and we got to know each other quite well, like I said before. So it's great to be, uh, and I met Kim a couple of years ago, and it was just a, a wonderful to meet her and hear about all of her accomplishments uh, at university and all that she gave the university and her commitment and passion for the university, uh, of course, I think Ray, Ray's commitment and passion is legendary in terms of all that he's given to the university. So, and we are, there's a fourth member of this group, the, the president, who probably was in part, a lot, as part of as large a part of this as anyone else who was no longer with us, but Dr. Henry King Stanford, who I know Ray brought you basically to the school and opened the doors for, for everyone else. So the four of you 
are being honored this week with the Trailblazer Award in conjunction with Black History Month. So I, I will start here and I will start with Kim, as Ray suggested, and uh, I will follow suit. Kim, do you consider yourself a trailblazer? Uh, yes, I guess. Um, you know, when you get to a college campus and there are less than three to five percent people that look like you, and then you're on a tennis team where you're the only one competing at a high level activity. And of course, at an unbelievable academic institution, it was just great. Yes, I, I feel very honored to have been the first African-American tennis player there for the women's tennis team and to play basketball, to be a part of that first year that they started women's basketball. I'm an athlete. I, you know, I grew up in Coconut Grove and uh, I grew up playing sports every single day of my life. <laughs> so, you know, um, getting to a point where I was able to acquire a scholarship to get an education and get to advance my athletic abilities and the University of Miami was an absolute unbelievable training ground for me to advance my tennis, which went on to play Wimbledon seven times in the US Open in New York, 10 years and Paris, Rome and China. And it was the University of Miami where I actually developed a world-class tennis game. And uh, I'm very grateful, extremely grateful. Ray, I'll, I'll let you add on to that. Do you look at yourself or did you uh, now, looking back, can, can you see yourself as a trailblazer and do you understand the significance uh, of what was going on at that time? I was, well, I, I, I can say this, you're right. I was blazing the trail. I was blazing the trail from the tomato field to the football field. <laughs> and so I guess you could definitely say that. But more important is um, it was something that was not um, anything that I thought about. I was just trying to um, make a way out of the situation that I was caught in. And uh, actually, it was Dr. Henry King Stanford's idea. He was the one that wanted a black athlete. He felt like black athletes should be there and be a part of what they were doing. So I give him a lot of credit. He was a great man. And then when, uh, when Willie came, I got the support that I needed from a mental perspective because we, he and I became very close and uh, we did a lot of things together and we talked to each other a lot. And so I was blazing the trail, but the trail was a very selfish trail because I was trying like crazy and I'd have to pick tomatoes all my life. In the process of doing that, if by chance I helped someone or I made a difference, then great. But I was just trying to figure out a way and I wanted to make sure that was understood that the black athlete was a committed and serious adversary by anyone's nature. May it be white, black, saw Hispanic, whatever. We were there to compete. And as Kim said earlier, hey, it got me ready to do things in life. It got me ready to improve my game as it related to uh, the tenacity and what you had to do as an athlete. Will, I would ask you, because Ray sort of, I won't say downplayed, but it was more so about trying to find a way personally to get advance himself as opposed to maybe the more macro uh, viewpoint of what was really occurring from the standpoint of race. And when the opportunity came to come to the University of Miami as the first black basketball player, how did you take that in? Was that even, were you even, a, I imagine you were aware, how aware were you of what was going on, what you were about to do? Well, I was 
aware, I was actually recruited by Bruce Hale, legendary coach at the University of Miami, who is the uh, father-in-law of uh, Rick Barry. And unfortunately for me, in a lot of ways, he left the university right after I signed to coach the Oakland Oaks of the ABA, American Basketball Association, where they had just signed Rick his um, son-in-law to play for the Oakland Oakland franchise, but I come from the D.C. area. I was I was a high school All-American. I was one of the top 100 basketball players in the nation at the time, and I had quite a few offers. I had a, about 100 scholarship offers to different universities and colleges. And when I signed with the university, I found out about Ray. And I was aware of the situation in Florida, which was kind of a, a really tough situation. I, I always tell Ray this, that he had a lot tougher than I did from the standpoint that football had a lot of Southern players from different states like Alabama, Mississippi, white players from those schools that he had to not only worry about playing against the opposition, but uh, finding his place on the team. I always thought it was very tough for him, but um, I had played all over the country in high school, and I was kind of used to playing with white players. But when I got to university, first thing happened when they made the announcement in Miami Herald was that um, it was, of course, Miami Herald was um, a paper for the entire state. And I started getting letters from the Ku Klux Klan that would, would say things like, stay go home nigger and this and that. And I'm sure Ray, Ray faced the same kind of opposition. So we were getting it from both internally in the Miami area, maybe at the university, but from outside of the university. But the reason that I came to Miami was because of Bruce Hale, because of the climate, because of the university, the academic piece of the university, and the fact that we were going to have a good freshman team coming in. Uh, three of the players were from the East Coast. So, you know, I felt quite comfortable. And when I made my visit, the basketball team made me feel very comfortable. The guys that were ahead of me, uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So that, that's the reason that I came to the university. There's a couple of things in there that I want to try and unwrap here a little bit. Kim, Will just spoke about letters from the Ku Klux Klan and, and words that I, you know, I can't even say. You mentioned in doing some research for this, that growing up in the parks in Miami and playing tennis, that kids can be cruel and they can be cruel today. They can be cruel then, I think, through a much different lens in terms of the, the period of time that you guys uh, were growing up in. So what was it like when you got to Miami? I imagine there, that you faced some of that as well as, as, as well as Ray. So how bad did it get? I guess would be the first thing. And then I also imagine there had to be people in your corner. Yes, there, I would have to say that there were a lot of people that did support me being at the University of Miami. And I think that there were people that gave you the funny looks as if you really didn't belong here kind of thing. I actually had, a, had approached someone and I asked them, had I done something to them? Do we know each other? Because every time I saw this person, they looked at me as if I'd done something to them. And I just didn't understand, you know, particularly not ever seeing these people before and not really. And I was a kid, you know, you're a kid, just like everybody else. 
you're leaving home to go to grow and to learn and to become an adult. I wasn't raised in a home of racism or anything like that. Of course, we experienced it. I mean, I remember my mom going on the back of the bus and I said, why are we passing all of these empty seats? You know, and they never really explained it because everybody was busy trying to make a living to raise their children and feed them and house them. But once I got to the U, it wasn't as bad because I never allowed anyone to treat me bad. I didn't feel that that was my fight. My fight was to be the type of person that I would want my child to be, to be the type of person that my neighborhood, my family would be proud of. So my, I was very single-minded as these guys can tell you, I was very single-minded walking across the campus every day with my books and my tennis rackets and my racket bag. I was obsessed but it just seemed like an easy thing to do when I'm the only one. And I really thought that I had a chance to be a fine player and I wasn't sure. And I, I just didn't see why I should let people that give you the funny looks and the, the, the little irks and different type of snide remarks stop me. And then there were so many amazing kids that were there at the tennis center that welcomed me and many parents welcomed me. So I took the high road and, and I gravitated to the people that were kind to me and not because they had to be kind, they were just decent people. They're decent people and then they're not decent people. So I remember a lot of those things vividly, but at the same time, I was glad it was me that actually was the lead, took the, took the trailblazers position to carry myself in a way that even these guys prob probably remember me. And the kids on the campus remember the black kid with the tennis rackets every day. And I met so many amazing kids courted me. And uh, so I'm very happy that it was me, you know, with a decent heart, a decent character, a determined spirit, and an ability to see if it could flourish. And through the University of Miami, I had that opportunity to you know, take advantage of all those great guys on the team, all the great girls on the team and playing basketball was my thing. So you know, being able to play two varsity sports. I remember Chuck Dowdle from Channel 10 used to come and interview me all the time. Everybody thought it was just an amazing thing to have this black kid at the University of Miami you know, representing. And I, I, I took a great pride and I took a great honor in being that kid. Ray, you mentioned before that when you came, it was just about getting off the farm. But when you actually get to the school and you're the only black person on the team, uh, Will mentions, you know, whether it's letters from the KKK, I think you mentioned there were death threats or signs or hate mail, etc. How quickly did that change from I just want I'm trying to go play football to I'm a the only black person on the football team trying to be a good athlete as well as kind of championing that cause? Well, first of all, the things that Ms. Sands said and Willie, those things are true. And those things was very real. It's unfortunate that these things happen, but they happen. And um, I had guys, as Willie said earlier, I had guys that were uh, on the team 
that actually tried to hurt me, went out of their way trying to hurt me. And then they would write on my door, Negro, go home. But they spelled it with two G's instead of Negro. Okay, so you know, you fill in the blank. And, um, you know, I, I had people threaten my life, just Willie. I got a bunch of those letters that Willie was talking about, Negro, go home, you're not wanted here. My own teammates, after the play is over, they come and hit me. But my thing was this, very much like Miss Sands. I made up my mind that, you know what? I'm going to play this game on such a high level, it's going to scare them. And that's what I did. I made up my mind that if they're going to hurt me, they're going to hurt me at my best. And every day I went to work, because that's what it was. It was hard work. I went to work every day realizing that they was trying to hurt me out there. Now, I had the guys that Willie talked about and that Ms. Sands alluded to that were people of substance, people that was fair people, people that embraced the fact that I was there. You know, my first day on campus, when I was on the University of Miami campus, I walked across campus, I didn't know where I, I couldn't find my way from the football dormitories to the field house. That's how I knew I was. And I'm walking around, the athletes was there, the football players, no one else was on campus. We had tour days. And I walk across campus and police asked me, what am I doing there? And I never answered him. And he asked me, what am I doing there? He said it again. And I said, sir, do you know where the field house is? And he said, yes. I jumped in his car. And, and hey, I mean, I wanted him to know that. I want to play the police cards. My brother was a police officer, so I jumped in the car. And he took me to the field house. He never got my name. I never told him. He took me to the field house. And when I got to the field house, I looked at him and I said, thank you. And I walked off and went on into the field house. So evidently, he knew that, okay, he knew where he was going. I never told him anything. The next morning, on front of the Miami Herald that Will alluded to, was a picture of me being the first black athlete at the University of Miami. So he figured it out. I didn't get into an exchange with him. And there's several things that happened. You know, I um, uh, they had a young lady showing me around, white female. They stopped us, took me to jail. I hadn't done anything. Dr. Stanford came down there. <laughs> he came and got me. <laughs> and he said, uh, he, he, he said he wanted to talk to the arresting officer. You know, these are things that I kept to myself for years. And, uh, but, but Doc Sanford knew he did it. And a lot of people at the university, in particular Board of Trustees, knew he did it. And that's another story. But Dr. Stanford did things that was remarkable. So they got me down in jail for no reason. And I remind you now that I was a freshman and the young lady that was driving me around was a senior. So she was 21. I was going on 18. I went to jail. Dr. Stanford came down in the show driven limousine and got me. But he said something, I never heard him speak like that before. And I've never heard him speak like that since that night. He said very clear to them, well, where's the arresting officer? And the lady said, well, Dr. Stanford, if you just sign right here, you can take him. He said, no, no. He said, you got to understand something. I'm not signing anything and I'm going to take it. So he didn't do nothing. And then he said something, and I never heard him talk like this. He was upset. He said, this got to stop.
That's what he said. They had me in a holding cell. He did not know that I could hear him. When um, he said, where is he? She said he was over there. Then he said, well, let him out. And they let me out. And she kept trying to get Dr. Stanford to sign paper. He said, no, I'm not going to sign it because he shouldn't be down here. And um, he took me. He had a, a black guy was a chauffeur driving the car. I sat up front with the chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'm from the show. I, I didn't know what he was playing. He wasn't happy. And I know that. And I wasn't happy. And then they drove me back to the university. And um, and then he um, he said to me, and this was when I was my freshman year. And he says to me, it was called 960 then. And it's called Stanford Residential College now. But it, it, we went through a lot. Uh, you know, FBI stand by my door all night when we go play a game. People's threat, the death threats. Got my knee hurt because one of my own teammates was doing a walkthrough drill, and we were walking through it. They was explaining to us what we got to do, position you need to be in, stuff like that. But I had scored like about six touchdowns, and they weren't happy. And so he just ran out there and ran to my knee, hurt my knee, deliberately. And... Uh, Everybody know that they did it deliberately. And uh, George McIntyre, who recruited me for the University of Miami, he stopped practice that day and he yelled to the top of his voice that he will not be a part of this kind of SHIT and that it was wrong. And that they had just hurt the best football player on the team. He yelled it to him. So we had all kinds of things going on. As Kim said, we had people trying to hurt us. We had people trying to support us. And we had people didn't know what to do with us. <laughs> so it was, a, it was an amazing thing. And the great thing was, is we had each other. And uh, I tell people, and I'll say it again, the greatest resource that we have in this country is each other. And that's the thing, because it wasn't always easy. Jim, you've been kind of reacting to what Ray has said. It's your turn to respond because I've seen you drop your head, shake your head. You know, it's like you're looking at yourself back in the mirror from 50 years ago, kind of re-experiencing some things that maybe you had buried or just hearing them again. It, 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 it's very emotional. Well, I got there in 1974. So um, as Ray said, you know, they were older kids. They were older young adults when I got there and I was 17 it hurts to hear that somebody would hurt him like that, knowing he had a professional career ahead of him. And it, it broke my spirit to hear that somebody did that to him. You know, he's a kid too. He was a kid like everybody else. And it's, it's like, we're sometimes sadly to say, and we're finding out to this very day that people still act as if there's a human race division when unity is what makes America her greatest, greatest asset on the planet, to, in my humble opinion. And Ray and Will and all of the kids that played for the University of Miami, Black, White, Asian, they were all kids too. And to have kids actually try to hurt you and the adults look at another kid as if they're nobody, as if they shouldn't be here. 
they know that they were wrong. They know that they were wrong. They knew they were wrong. And um, the times were wrong. It, it breaks my spirit. I was friends with OJ Anderson. That was my dearest, dearest friend. And uh, he was an amazing athlete. We used to shoot baskets during my spare time, which I didn't have much, but basketball was my love. I told him, and I'll never forget this. I said to him, you've broken every record at this university. Please don't hurt yourself your senior year because you, you have a chance to go to the pros. Don't let anybody hurt you by mistake. Ha ha. That way you can have a career in the pros. And that kid said to me, you know, Kim, I'm gonna work as hard as I can. I'm gonna try to break every single record that I've made because whatever will happen will be the will of God. And if I never remember any lesson, any class that I learned on that campus, that very day was, I, was something that I've taken with me my whole life. That young man, that kid said to me, I'm gonna try to work as hard as I can and break every record because whatever happens is the will of God. That's how I train. Whatever happens, I, I didn't know anything about Wimbledon or the US Open. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I thought I could serve better, that I could hit the ball better, that I could focus better, that I, I might have a chance on the circuit. And it wasn't whether it, I was black or white or anything of that nature. It was the fact that OJ Anderson was quite a man and quite a leader. And these black athletes that I saw and the white athletes that I saw, everybody had to work hard to get where they were. Nobody gave the number one player on the men's team a walk in the park. They had to practice to get that good. The top girls, they were great players, but they didn't have to go through the strife and the looks and the snide remarks and the, you know, the comments and all the different things, which really gets in the way. It don't stop you. Not everybody. It doesn't stop everybody. Some people cannot take it. Some people cannot take the criticisms and the pointing and the remarks. And, but these guys are like the real deal. You know, and I feel honored to be in the company of real deal human beings, not just athletes, not just academic scholars like these guys are. Like I tried to get my degree and, and ended up with President Stanford's who's who among college kids and stuff like that. I, I was just an ordinary kid like the rest of them. And people tried to make us think that we weren't a part of something that that we deserve to be there. And I'm just glad that I was strong enough, smart enough and confident enough like these guys to hang in there and grind and study and walk tall and have a great smile and be confident. If, because when people see that you're confident, the noise stops, it slows down. It may not stop completely, but it really slows down. Because when you ain't scared, then what's next? You're going to hurt them like they did, Ray? You know, you can't hurt everybody. Thank you, God. And I, I was just listening to his story, and 
is and, and as as Ray was saying, that's why I was kind of, you know, kind of rocking and rolling with everything that came out of his mouth because it's real. And we thank all of those people before us, all the hidden figures that were left out that would have inspired us even more in 67, 60, uh, 74, 80, we would be a lot further along as far as a human race had people not hid the people who came before us that were outstanding human beings and had something to offer all kids, black, white, Asian, Hispanics, all kinds of people, male, female, all kinds of people. But when they hide you and they hurt you and they snide you and they snub you, it is absolutely not a good deal. And the University of Miami, I don't believe stands for none of that. I thank concurrently Dr. Henry King Stanford for helping me as well and everybody else that came after. I'm grateful, my family's grateful. Well, you know, the basketball team is inherently a smaller unit than a football team. We're similar to the tennis team. You mentioned the, the letters from the KKK, but what was your interaction internally with your teammates? Well, internally, I really didn't have any problems because many of our players were from the North and they had interaction with uh, black players. Basketball is a little bit different. Like I said, Ray really suffered a lot of things and I felt really bad for him. And I'm glad we were close and that we could talk sometimes and I could find out, especially when we went to the uh, training table, you know, uh, where football players and basketball players, I think one, one ten tennis player and one baseball player uh, were on scholarship at that time could go to the training table. So um, I noticed that a lot of football players were not real friendly to Ray, you know, so I felt bad for him that he had to go through that. But um, uh, I was fortunate that I had teammates that supported me. I also hooked up with Zeta Beta Tau fraternity. And I hung out with those guys and I became, uh, I was uh, pledging for the fraternity. And to this day, I've got friends my age at 72 from GBT and every basketball player that's still alive. We've lost a couple guys over the years. We're, we're friends. As a matter of fact, I spoke to one of my teammates today. So uh, it makes me feel good every time I get an opportunity to talk to my teammates, to talk to Ray, meeting Kim just makes me uh, feel very uh, warm. And uh, the fact that we were really trailblazers. And like I said before, I don't think we would have been of the three of us if we weren't tremendous athletes to begin with. But we had to uh, work hard and we had a lot of obstacles to overcome. We jumped a lot of hurdles. And it really angers me when I hear that any University of Miami athlete gets in trouble because I don't think most of the, the athletes at university really know our story. They have no idea. And we've had some tremendous athletes since the time that we were there, some Hall of Famers. But I don't think they know anything about our story and what we did at the university. So this gives us an opportunity this podcast, uh, which we're doing for Black History Month with us, 
uh, hopefully some of them will get an opportunity to listen to some of the stories of how we uh, blazed the trail for them. And we did it under adverse conditions that they don't have to deal with today. I'm not saying that they don't have to deal with issues, but they don't have to deal with the issues that we had to deal with. You have to keep in mind also, Willie, one of the things that stands out is like the Vietnam War. Yes. Okay. Selma, Alabama. Yes. All those things. We, we, we had to deal with all of that and still maintain our sanity and do what we need to do. Uh, the country at the time was hating Muhammad Ali. He was Cassius Clay. Yeah. It was all kind of things going on that we had to deal with, not just in school now. You know, we're advocating and we're fighting for more blacks on campus. We're fighting for more black administrators. We're fighting for more black faculty. And that's not easy. And then I have a relationship with Dr. Stanford. And now my friend is my adversary. Hey, Ray, a lot of people don't even realize that Ray Bellamy was a student body president at the University of Miami. So uh, that's something a lot of folks don't even know, that uh, he had gone from, like he said, the tomato field to uh, the student body president in a mere four years. And the fact that our freshman year in 1967, there were only 15 black students at the University of Miami on campus that I knew of, 15. So we were really a minority when you think of the number of students that were at the university at the time. And uh, as I look at the university now, it's one of the more diverse universities that, in the country. So um, that makes me feel good. I'm sure it makes Kim and, and Ray feel good as well that we kind of blaze that trail for all of those minority students that are at the university today. It does make me feel great. You know, every time I, I see you, um, Will, it's always an honor. And I remember you when I was a freshman. And I remember Ray and all those great players and so many, so many, many stories to tell and so many quiet moments to just forge ahead and do what you're there to do and, and be grateful that it worked out in a way that so many other African-American children, kids, young kids were able to follow you guys. When I became the head coach um, and Sam Jankovic actually um, brought me in in the first week, me and Rodney Price for the track program and um, the basketball coach also, he brought three black head coaches in in, in the same week. And I guess University of Miami has always been trying to, you know, do the right thing by, by kids, you know, and parents. Because when you help the child, you're helping the parents and you're helping the families. And that's what the University of Miami did for me. And I felt it was my responsibility since I was the first one to, you know, do right by all the efforts that, Isabel Hutchison, who was the athletic director at the time, who recruited me and knew that I was a basketball standout. I wasn't quite the tennis standout, but I, my game was really blossoming. And she thought she had a, you know, a, double, a dual sport kid, varsity kid, which she did, and a serious student. 
So I was a student athlete. I didn't just come to play ball. I came to lead with the degree and um, so that other kids could follow suit. And I, I met so many great white kids and Asian kids and great professors. I'm just really, really grateful to, like I said, to have been that kid to be able to stand up to that time, you know, the early 70s and to be able to flourish because of the University of Miami in spite of the past of the University of Miami, be a part of the future of what was good, what was coming to, you know, suntan you. And I absolutely loved it. And uh, <laughs> I loved it being on campus with all those other great athletes, the divers, the swimmers, the baseball coaches and players. And I was in my element, whether they wanted me or not. And I took the ball and ran with it and tried to have a positive attitude and even when I became the coach, try to have a positive attitude because everybody wasn't, so to speak, down with that. And uh, I enjoyed it immensely eight years. And uh, Sam Jankovic was another amazing quality University of Miami administrator, just like Henry King Stanford and Tad Foote and so many other great people that supports what's right, what's good, what the future is going to hold in spite of people trying to hold kids back. The future belongs to the children and the kids, just like you, sir, just like your children, just like our children and our grandchildren, the future belongs to them. And as sadly to say, people who try to stop the future are doomed to fail because God made the world for everyone and the University of Miami opened her doors for us and we flourished and we thrived. And these guys are successful to this very day. You can listen how they speak. I'm just in, 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 in like, you know, awesome company. And I just thank you guys for watching me and, and believing in me and, and, and seeing my journey because they probably know more about me than I know about me on that campus because they were older kids and they did see me. The white kids saw me and the press saw me. So I hope someday to be inducted into the University of Miami Hall of Fame. And uh, because it was an honor and because of the University of Miami, I excelled. It is because of her. Kim, I just wanna say this. I have no doubt that day is coming. And I agree, I think that you should be but there's several things that I think we need to look at. And I think I like what Kim said, and I like what Willis said there. And I just want to just lay some things out for you. The University of Miami is a private, independent institution and never, ever took our taxpayers' money, but did the right thing. The University of Miami was the first to sign Blacks and females scholarship. As a matter of fact, for those who don't know, in modern time, our first national championship team was won by our female swim team. So the University of Miami do what's right when ain't nobody watching. That's what I think of when I think of University of Miami. Willie Allen, Kim Sands, and so many other legendary players that came there 
they was determined not to fail. Probably the worst athlete out of all of us is me. These guys was great, did unbelievable things, and my hat's off to them because I happen to be timing at the right place at the right time. That's what happened here. And when I came through, everybody wanted to change the transition. It wasn't just a Ray Bellamy thing. It was a University of Miami thing. It was a national thing. It was something that everybody wanted to see happen. And it was time. And the man that did it is Dr. Henry King Stanford. And he stood, I, you know what I saw this man do? We was demonstrating to get more black faculty and more black administrators. And Dr. Henry King Stanford told the man at the bookstore to give, not to sell it to him, to give them the poster board to pick it. <laughs> and I was like, hey, he turns around and he calls me up and he says, uh, Ray he says, I'm gonna have the black students arrested. And I said, you're gonna have them arrested. He said, I cannot let them interrupt the university and the function of the university. So I'm gonna have them arrested. And I said, okay. He said, I'm gonna have them arrested, Ray, even if I have to bail them out, okay? And he did that. He had them arrested. And guess what he did? He bailed them out. He called me up and asked me, was I gonna bail them out? I told him, no, you said you were gonna bail them out. And he bailed them out. Now, it don't come no better than that. Henry King Stamper was a visionary. And Kim Sand, Ray Bellamy, Will Allen, we stand on the shoulders of a man that didn't see color and refused. And he taught, not us, not just us, he taught other people that was on his staff that practiced bigotry, he taught them too. And I, I'm grateful to him, Ray. I, I just love your eloquence and your, the way you speak and think is amazing. And Wilt, you guys are like so super. And and at the same time, you know, we're just ordinary people too, you know, just like you, young man. And there was an awful time that our parents had to go to the back of the bus. If you can actually believe that, there was a time when they did awful things and the systemic racism, if you can believe that. Um, when you look at something like hidden figures, and the guy at NASA says, we don't do racism here. Everybody's pee is the same color. And it's not new. It's not new, but it's who wants to do the right thing. And so there's a time where people have to recognize that it was time, which is what Henry King Stanford recognized. The time is now. This is my contribution for trying to do better by people who systemically, that's not good. It wasn't right, it wasn't good. It's not right to this very day. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. We, we all pump blood, we all need oxygen and it really needs to stop. And we're still here trying to almost defend ourselves constantly for, for what? And people know better. I'm just grateful that the university, as, as Ray Bellamy said, took the lead, 
took a, a big lead in, in stepping out to say enough is enough. And look where the UM is at this very day. How diverse in medicine, in law, in athletics, in academics, how diverse and only people who don't want to see the progress are trying to stop it with their craziness and their racist ideologies. But we're already here. We are already here going to the moon. And it started with these kids. They were kids. I was a kid when I came. And I'm just happy to still be here to be able to impart the wisdom that I've learned over the years. And I thank all of my teammates, all my white teammates that were kind and good people just trying to get their degrees just like me. Listening to all three of you speak, I feel like in, we're talking 50 years ago. And as much as some things haven't changed today, it certainly was a lot different back then. I feel like, and please respond, and Will, I'll start with you, that athletics helped because there, it, there was a, a focus on something greater that you were also trying to do. Kim, you were trying to, to be a professional. Ray, you wanted to get to the next level. Will, you said you were going to be a top draft pick. That some of maybe what insulated you or protected you was your, your fo- that athletics helped you have a vision. Is that fair, Will? That was the thing for me. I mean, if I didn't have, uh, if I just went to college locally around the D.C. area, my life would be much different than it is today. I grew up on a farm in Maryland and uh, played basketball and coming to the University of Miami and the great experiences I had. I, I got married to my college sweetheart, still married to her 52 years later. There were so many positive things that happened to me because of the university and the people that followed all three of us to the university. I know out of the D.C. area, I was a hotbed for the University of Miami uh, to recruit players after I came. Lionel Harris is one. uh, God bless his soul. He's passed away, but he was a great player that came to the university um, and many others. I know people followed Ray to the university, especially at a time when Ray went there that his schools were segregated. It was only a couple of years in Maryland that schools had desegregated before I went to high school. So uh, we came out of some situations that were pretty adverse into a new world that we had to deal with and to overcome. But a lot of people followed us, like, uh, for example, Chuck Foreman good friend of mine from right up the road a couple of years after being there. Chuck came from Maryland also, and Tom Sullivan and people like that came to the university because of Ray to play football. If Ray wouldn't have blazed that and and went through all the suffering and the pain and, and so forth that he has described and didn't leave. I mean, he had an opportunity. Ray could have left. I could have left. Kim could have left every time we faced adversity, but we didn't leave. We stayed there and fought our way through this because we had other things on our mind. We were thinking of the next generation of students that were following us. At least I did. I know I was always thinking about the guys that came there. I felt a responsibility for them. It made us grow up a lot faster than maybe the average student. I think that has helped me in terms of where I've gone and been able to travel and work with with two presidents, uh, President Clinton and 
President Obama and uh, Michelle Obama and travel around the world and uh, written books and so forth. That wouldn't have happened if I would, would have went to a different university. So I, I really give the University of Miami a lot of credit. And like Ray said, Dr. Stanford really supporting us as minority students there. You know, not too many university presidents at that time would have done that. Uh, university of Miami was way ahead of a lot of universities. And uh, we can see how it, it has played out today as one of the leading universities in the nation. And got national championships because they embraced the athlete, the black athlete first. And they got rewarded handsomely for that. We'll mention this. There's a big burden there, big burden you, that you, all three of you carried and Will mentioned that you could have left. Did Kim or Ray, did that thought ever cross your mind as well? It was hard. It was very difficult because I was the only athlete that actually had to work after practice. So, you know, besides going to class, practice at 1.30 to 5 or whatever, I had to work at from 6 to 10, Mon you know, Monday through Friday. Every I saw everybody else leave. I, I was getting tired. It was a lot you know, trying to run into the restaurant to eat, to the cafeteria to eat. But the kids were great. A lot of the kids on the team were absolutely great kids. And people saved seats for me in the cafeteria so I can eat and so I can get back to work. You know, I, I really actually did an old saying. I turned um, rotten lemons into lemonade. You know, since I had to work, from six to 10 Monday through Friday, and I saw all the other athletes go home. After I would finish studying, if I had time, I would take the basket out and practice my serve for two hours and get paid for serving and put up my cones and work on my precision. I tried to turn the lemons into lemonade and all the rotten snide remarks and the unkind looks and things like that. It was difficult. I didn't want to leave Suntan U. I love having my perpetual, you know, glow <laughs> and uh, watching the divers and the swimmers and the football players and all those kids. It, I, it, I was home. I wanted to go to Stanford. I wanted to maybe go to um, Rollins College just to get out of here because the racism was so bad. And, and the Gables and in um, Miami-Dade County was awful. I, I was happy that I didn't go away and forge through and prayerfully and hopefully coming back as the coach, you know, with uh, Rodney Price and Leonard Hamilton and all these guys, just as Will said, those things may not have happened to me had I not stayed you know, been invited to come back and be the head coach for eight years and, and then hire Paige, the awesome coach that they have now. I hired Paige Yeroshuk and she's done a phenomenal job. And I was able to go back into the community and do my passion. And, and I'm just so grateful now that I think about everything, you know, sticking and sticking it out and sticking and staying and following my orders and, you know, being a decent human being and sticking to the mission, stick to the plan. And that's what any great athlete or any successful person, most successful people who have their heart 
in the right place, then you're really successful. And it's not to judge somebody by the money that they've made or you know, all the businesses that they've conquered and lost and built back up. It's how you treat people and how people, how you are able to have people treat you, you know, be the mirror. And so, no, I'm very grateful that I stuck with the university that chose me. They chose me and I'm grateful to the University of Miami from the bottom and top of my heart. Ray, you know, President Stanford, he tapped you for breaking the color barrier. And uh, as I asked the other two, did, did it ever cross your mind to go? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a different kind of character. I, I never factor in failure. And to leave would be to fail. And I never factor in that. That was not an option. I was not going to leave because if I leave, they win. When you're an athlete, the name of the game is win. And I came there to win it. Not to be in it. I came to win it. And that was my attitude. I, where I was going to go if I left? I wasn't going to no other school. My family could not afford the school that I wanted to go to was Southern California. When I went out there as a recruit, I met O.J. Simpson. He was coming from the junior college and I was coming from high school. Okay. My family was migrant workers. They couldn't afford to fly to California. If I went out to California, I would meet my family once a year. I'd probably see my mom and dad. I had a school that was playing a tremendous schedule that had a commitment to what was fair and wanted me to be a part of their program. And when I made the decision, I had, just like Willie was saying, all these different schools that I had, I was going visiting and making trips and doing things. I had to make up my mind that I was going to go where I could stay. I didn't want to go up north because it was cold. I wanted to be in a place where my family could get to me, my mom and my dad. They could drive to see me play football in three and a half hours. That's how far they were away. So never affecting fear. Then I had a guy that once lived that was a tremendous man. Uh, his name was Walt Kacheski. And we was having some issues. Uh, I had gotten into a physical altercation with um, one of the quarterbacks on the team. He was wrong. He going to make me go to the back of the line. And ironically, when we started this Zoom session, you're not going to believe this, but my freshman quarterback, Lou Patel, called me on the heels of what Willie was saying about the relationship they built. I said, Lou, I'm on a, a Zoom meeting right now. Can I call you back? He said, call me tomorrow. I'm going to bed. <laughs> but the thing is, is like there was a man named Walt Kacheski that um, he coached he coached Ted Henry's, the defensive end and defense tackles. And uh, I was having these issues and got into a physical altercation uh, because he's going to make me go to the back of the line and I, I told him that one happened, that I came through the door before him and I will eat before him. And uh, he kept doing things and then finally he put his hand on my nose. Well, that was too close. It was time to show him that he's not to put his hands on me. So we got into it. I, I never forget after they had a big meeting, after we had an altercation, I did him up. I was going to do him good. I would have done him better, but they, they put me off him. And when they put me off him, I lost my appetite and I ran out of there. I didn't eat that night. The next day we had a meeting. The head coach, Charlie Tate, good man, all of us, we had a meeting. They was talking about what occurred in the uh, training table. And I said, you know, nothing. I was just sitting there. 
And they was talking about, well, you know, this happened, what well, is happened, this happened. So uh, Charlie Say said to me, Ray, uh, you know, you didn't say anything. And I said, there's nothing to say. I said, I just want everybody in this room to know that if you put your hands on me, you will be accountable to me. And as long as you don't touch me, I don't care what you say, don't put your hands on me. And I don't need to, for us to stay in here talking about it. We can go out to practice. That's what I said. And the coach said, well, let's go to practice. And we left and went to practice. I want to kind of finish here, which is all of you are doing good things now in your life. And I don't know how I can make this come full circle, but how much of what you experienced at UM is intertwined to what you're currently doing now? And Will, I'll start with you. It gave me a lot of confidence as a leader. I think we're all, all three of us are strong leaders, but it kind of built my leadership skills, being a captain of the team, playing at a high level, having to be more mature because I was married in college and uh, just having those experiences that I had and coming from a strong family uh, back in Maryland, you know, a farm family. So I had these uh, strong values coming to university and and that just the university just helped me build on those values that I already had from my parents so I think that helps me today as I go all over the world talking to people and you know having the opportunities that I've been given I've been really uh, blessed to have the opportunities and that would have never happened I don't think if I went to any other school or a larger school, because I had schools that I could have gone to that had 45, 50,000 students, like University of Indiana was one of my last choices to go uh, to college, and it's kind of two bigger schools for, for me, and I'm glad I, I came to the university because I was able to meet people like Ray, who were, had strong character, who had just tremendous people uh, outside of our sports, you know, just be able to uh, have some fun, meet some people and have some fun in an environment that was at the time challenging, but at the same time, you know, we had the war going on, like Ray was saying, we had all kinds of civil rights stuff going on at the time, but being able to have a core group of a few people that had always had your back at the university and having a strong president like Dr. Stanford, I think if we were at any other university, I don't think the university president would have taken a personal time for us, Ray and I, when we were there from 67 to 71. I know Kim came a little later, but I think she still had that same kind of support from the administration, you know, that uh, we had and the coaches and so forth. The coaches were great. At the time that I was there, I got to know all the coaches um, from football to basketball to baseball who were always very kind to, uh, I think, Ray and I at, at that time. I always had great experiences with all the coaches that were there. They kind of respected us. Kim, tennis has been a huge part of your life. I was reading back when you were growing up, there were only certain times that you could play. How much now that you get to teach and give and impart back, how, how much of that is kind of weaves its way back to, to being at UM? You're right. Tennis was very 
kind of creepy in the beginning years. In the early, early years, there were so many creepy things going on on the planet that were truly against people of color, African-Americans particularly. But getting to the University of Miami's awesome campus, which today, when I see it today, is, it's really like amazing. I'm really proud of her and the progress that we all have been a part of trailblazing and to see all the other kids, just the students come across the grounds the way they do. I've gone to the campus and I watch the kids and I just, I'm proud of all the college kids that choose the University of Miami because they made a good call. They made a good judgment in choosing the U. And when I worked for the University of Miami as the coach, when I worked for the city of Miami for 23 years as a park manager, my basic training with getting ready for the workforce because the clapping does stop eventually. The clapping stops when you're not a pro tennis player, fortunate enough to play Wimbledon all those years and make that flight to Australia four years where I was ready to open the plane. It was 21 hours from Miami. You know, being that fortunate to be able to be out on that circuit with so many great players, Martina, Sellis, Gabby, Chrissy Everett, everybody, Zena Garrison, UM gave me the courage to know that I belonged out there, number one. University of Miami gave me the courage. I, I was raised on an amazing, pristine campus, amazing campus in 1974 to 78. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And I took that with me everywhere that I went being able to stand tall and be one of the few women's tennis players with a college degree on that circuit was another plus that I, I a feather in my cap. I pride myself in being having my degree when many of the other pros didn't have a college degree. And I was on a campus like the University of Miami. Getting to the city for all those years and working with so many children and families was amazing. And having that same mindset to speak to people decently, carry yourself a certain way, as if you were on the campus at the University of Miami, a new, a new, you're a new person. This is a new career. This is another new career. You take those same values. You take those same experiences that you learn the good, the bad, the ugly, and you make it work. And you do good by people. When I teach tennis today, I'm not teaching now because of the COVID virus, the pandemic, but I have two club owners that are really trying to recruit me to come and teach. And I hope to soon when, when everything clears, but to take that same professionalism, that same excellence, that same desire, I took it for me. I Now I try to impart that live vicariously through the children and the families that I work with to hopefully have those same type of characteristics because you can go anywhere once you have those type of characteristics. And so the University of Miami built me to have a lifetime of grace and decency and gratitude for my scholarship. I'm really grateful to the University of Miami once again. Ray, you're an advisor, right, at Florida A&M? Yes. How much did what you go through, you experience, how much does that shape you as you give advice to young, predominantly Black students? 
I, I learned so much about people being at the University of Miami, diversity. When I came to University of Miami, in my community, which I grew up in, the neighborhood, we didn't single out Jewish people and Baptist people and what Catholic people. We was people. I never knew all those things. And then the Middle East issues and all those things. By the time I left the University of Miami, the education that I got in the classroom was not as serious as the education I got outside the classroom. I need both. And to have that kind of connection with all of it was amazing. I come in contact with kids every day. I guess they don't really think I uh, I went to college. And then some of them think that I was born with a suit on. I had time and around my neck all the time. But that certainly was not the case. And it was uh, something that, yeah, it took me full circles because all the things that I did now, I learned a lot from high school. And all the things that I did in high school, I came to University of Miami and duplicated. See, a lot of people don't notice, but when I was in high school, I was president of the student body. I was captain of the football team. I was president of the National Society. And when I came to University of Miami, I duplicated those things. But the University of Miami generated an environment for me to have an opportunity to do those things. Let me tell you, the University of Miami is amazing. Just amazing. And I, I want to say that Henry King Stanford set the bar so high that it's hard for someone to step up there now and do it in a way different. Because you had to hit the ground running when you was at the University of Miami because University of Miami is a private independent institution and they got to go out and they got to raise money and they got to get resources to continue to thrive. And that's why I say hats off, as Kim said and Willie, to the University of Miami to his leadership, but more importantly, thanks to the student body, thanks to the people that were there when I was there, even the ones that did ugly, thank you, because I learned something from that. And I appreciate everything that transpired in the process of me pursuing my education and trying to make sure that I didn't go back to the tomato field in Orange World. So in conclusion, we're going to take this whole podcast full circle because I asked you all at the beginning, do you consider yourself trailblazers? Now that you've had a chance to share your stories and maybe reflect somewhat or, you know, maybe look inside a little bit, although I'm sure you've lived this, you know, every day of your life, the fact that the three of you and along with Dr. Stanford uh, have been designated as the initial recipients of the Trailblazer Award at your alma mater at the school you take so much pride in when you were told as you've discussed this, how much does it mean? It means a lot. It means a great, great deal. It's awesome. Will Allen, what does it mean to you? It's a tremendous honor. I look at it as a tremendous honor that's come from a university. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to get a lot of honors, but this one is at the very top because it's coming from the University of Miami, where I really started my career in the real world. Like uh, Kim was saying, we were just young kids coming into a very scary situation. Every t- anytime you step on a college campus as a 17, 18-year-old, it's a scary experience. And the university helped me personally in my life to the things that I've achieved. Uh, like I said earlier, I wouldn't have achieved any of those things 
So this very wonderful award is very meaningful to me and it's probably the number one award that I've ever gotten. So thank you uh, very much, University of Miami, for even thinking of me that I deserve this honor. And Ray, we'll, we'll finish with you, the significance when you were told. Got my heart pumping fast, adrenaline flowing. It was a wonderful thing. When I went there, I had no idea that one day someone would was paying attention. The University of Miami was paying attention. Somebody was actually paying attention to what we were doing. Thank God. I just know that in the process of doing what I did, it was work. And I watched Willie do what he did, and I watched Kim. See, when, when, when you observe other people, I learned, I learned so much from others. So much is just amazing. So the University of Miami took a gamble, and they did give me an opportunity. And this is right up there, just Willie said it, at the very top, because, like, you know, it's kind of like one day your mama call you, and you and they call you in the bedroom, and there you and your mom and your dad is sitting there, and they say, you know what, we love you, and you know why we love you, just because you're ours and we love you. When the University of Miami recognized us, that let us know that they love us and care about us, and they didn't have to do what they're doing. So somebody recognized that we tried to the best of our ability to do the right thing when we were there. I just want to say this. It was an honor for me to, to hear your stories, to really just sit back and listen. And I know I think Willie said it, that I hope others listen, and I'm sure they will. And if they do, they can't but be touched, inspired, and in awe of, your, of all three of you, your courage and what you've accomplished then and now. Uh, and, and I don't think there are proper words to say how deserving you are of this award. So I would say thank you for, for what you've done in the past. Thank you for the trail you have blazed. And most importantly, thank you for allowing me to take up a small little snippet of, of my life by being uh, inspired and, and sharing uh, and learning. Uh, it, it's been amazing. And, and you guys are as deserving as anyone could be. And this award is, is significant. So thank you so much. Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics.